Father, Father, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to stand. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Lord, for being just that, my Father and my Lord. Today I ask, Lord God, that you speak to your people. Lord God, may I be removed out of the way and just be used as a willing vessel for you to pour your holy word out unto your people. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Title, once God, you know, I've been gone for two weeks, right? Two, two solid weeks. And this scripture and these words have been on my heart for, for a long time, especially since the events of July 20th, which I'll elaborate on a little bit. But in Jeremiah chapter 25, and go to verse eight, uh, 7, I'm sorry. The word says, yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord in order that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. I'm going to read that again. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, in order that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. God is saying clearly in this scripture, it, it, Israel, Judah had done some things, and they'd done some things that were completely against the word of God, completely against his plan, completely against everything that he required of them. They had done these things. And God specifically says, you did it, and you're harming yourself. He said, you did it, and you are harming yourself. Now, that's, that's important for you to understand. You know, we, we often say, well, why is God doing this to me? Whoa. It's kind of like what Brother Kent said last week. You know, it's there always ever someone else's fault. It's never ours, right? Why is God doing this to me? Why is God? Why is God? Well, wait a minute. God says, you did it to yourself. You did it to yourself. Have you ever... Anybody ever drove a nail before? Have you ever hit your hand? Did you blame God for that? <clears throat> God, why did you hit me? No, you did it. Your hand-eye coordination was off. Something was going on. Have you ever been driving down the road and you ran off the road? God, why did you run me off the road? God's like, what? I watched it, but I didn't do it. You did it to your own self. The reason we're starting out with that scripture, now you can go ahead and go to Jeremiah chapter 29. And I want you to go to verse 4. Yes, we will get to Jeremiah 29 and 11. Of course, that's where the words come from, for I know. But in Jeremiah chapter 29, with 25 in mind, 
with verse 25, with chapter 25, verse 7 in mind, let's look at Jeremiah 29 and start in verse 4. And it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. First thing, God is saying, I sent you into exile. I did that. Why did he do that? Because of what you did. You did it to yourself. You wouldn't be in exile if you hadn't done what you had done. So, being the righteous and holy and just God that I am, guess what I'm doing? I'm sending you in exile, and I have sent you in exile. But guess what? That doesn't mean that I'm not going to take care of you. That doesn't mean that I still don't have a plan. That doesn't mean that you're just out there willy-nilly, okay? Guess what? I've sent you in exile, but I expect you in this exile to be something else. Let's keep reading. I'll start in verse 4 again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 5 reads, build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. Now you're in exile, but I want you to live like you're supposed to live while you're in exile. Hey, y'all, we're not in exile, but we are what? We are strangers in a strange land, aren't we? So that means, guess what? Guess what? We're, how many of you are going to go and get something to eat after lunch, after church today? Right. You're going to make sure you get there, and I'm going to make sure you get there on time because we got other stuff to handle, I know. How many of you stop and you put gas in your car? How many of you do that? Nobody, okay, one, two, three. Everybody else is driving around on fumes. Okay, thank you. Okay, we got a few. How many of you put gas in your car? Those of you that drive, thank you. My goodness, everybody's like, I, I don't do that, Brother David. I wouldn't dare touch a gas pump. Oh, yeah, well, I'm sorry. I put gas in your car. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, 34 years of marriage, and I still gas up her car. Keeps every. <laughs> Brother Bill, I just came back. Please don't start today. <laughs> All right, so we do things. But even though we're not, we're not of this world, Right? We're not of this, this but, but, but we are here. So God is saying, build houses and live in them. And plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives. I did that. Thank you. I take wife. Yeah, wife. Wife. Sorry, she corrected me. Wife. One, one, one. W-I-F-E. I spelled that right real quick, too. All right. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. Hey, done. Okay. And take wives for your sons, wife, for your sons, and <laughs> wives for your sons and daughters, and give, to, give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there, and do not decrease. God is saying, even though you're in exile, I still want you to keep going. Even though you blundered and you sent yourself here, I still want you to keep going. Now, I know we're not necessarily in exile, but we're still, even after salvation, who went to heaven after they got saved? Immediately after you got saved, which one of y'all is in heaven? Good, no hands went up. Finally, yes, right. You're not in heaven yet. So even though you're saved, guess what? You still work and live and play and eat here, don't you? And you continue on, don't you? Okay. So don't, don't stop, don't, but... But notice he says, and, and, and do not decrease. Don't go backwards. You're in exile. You did wrong. 
I sent you here because of what you did, but don't go backwards. Do not go backwards. I want you to find the scripture where God sent the children of Israel back to Egypt because they had a hard time. Who can find that scripture? Nobody can. He never sent you back to Egypt. He never will send you. See, once he saves you, he saves you and he keeps you and he intends on keeping you and he will always keep you and he'll never go back and you're not supposed to go back. Okay? So don't decrease. Don't, don't regress. Don't get, you, you shouldn't be getting worse. You should be getting what? Yeah. Amen. I love him. Hey, that's perfect. You said amen. That's what I heard. But then he says this. Look at verse 7. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile. Whoa, wait a minute, God. You're sending me in exile as a punishment, and yet you want me to pray that the welfare of the city? Yes, yes, I do. Because it doesn't change just because you're in exile. Just because you are in a lost and dying world doesn't mean you still don't want the best for them. Oh, that's unique. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm probably going to need some water because I hadn't preached in two weeks. So if somebody could grab me some, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Wow, look at how everybody's going. I appreciate it. <laughs> he says, seek the welfare. Now notice that word, seek. Go after the welfare. In other words, just because they tell you to stop praying, don't stop praying. Just because they say, hey, we don't want you to go into our community, don't stop going. Don't break laws, but you keep going, right? For VBS, Amy and the crew went out and they handed out some flyers. And they put one in a, in a, on a door or something for one of some a local gentleman. And he sent a message back to the church. Don't put any more flyers on my door. Okay, that's fine. We can do that. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, son. We can do that, but they didn't stop going because they got rejected there. You get it? So you keep going, okay? You, you always keep going. We, we know about prayer in school, right? And I've talked to you about this before. They told you you can't do that anymore. Well, I can. I just can't let you, you can't organize it and you can't support it. But don't tell me I'm not going to walk through these hallways and not pray. Okay, uh, don't you can't pray at work with, with the girl. OK, but I can still pray for the people. I can still pray for their welfare. Um, it's, it's nothing. I'm not breaking a law by praying for you. I'm not breaking a law by praying with you. If you ask me to, I'm not breaking a law. But he says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. So we know what shape we're in. Right. As a nation. We know what shape we're in, right? And Miss Linda gives me an, an applicable grunt, okay? We know what shape we're in. And we're not going to go through all the politics and all that other stuff. You know, we don't do politics. You know, we're children of God, and people just need to be saved. And people get saved, everything else will take care of itself. You know, when people get right, it takes care of things, doesn't it? And that's what we, but so he says, and pray on, on, on its behalf, so we should be praying. While you're in exile, while you, are, while, while you are in this place, you should be praying on the behalf of the place that you're in. Even though the exiled place where they were sent to Babylon wasn't there, it wasn't their final place, but they still had to pray for it. 
they still had to pray for the welfare of it. Now, and it don't matter who's in office. Don't get in all that. Don't y'all don't fall for that trap. We get so one sided and all that stuff. Let me tell you something, whether they're Republican or Democrat, there's still someone for whom Christ died. They're still bleeding and breathing and all these other things. So it's irrelevant about, you know, and, and, and you know, quit praying about them thinking like you think, because some of your thoughts ain't right either. OK. All right. I'll say it. I can say that. Right. It's been two weeks and I got a lot pent up right now. Lord, just pray that they get like me. Oh, we don't need no more you. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> Y'all really want another one of me? Thank you. Appreciate that. Look at verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams which they dream. Now, and God is saying, don't get sidetracked, because there's a lot of people in this exile, in this foreign place, and all these things that are going to mess with your head. Hmm? There's a lot of people that are going to tell you this and tell you that. The Lord told me to pray for you. The Lord told me to tell you to give me this. The Lord, wait, whoa, 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 no, he didn't. No, he didn't. I was listening. I heard that whole conversation, and my name wasn't coming up once. But get this. He, say, he says, don't listen to them. You got to be in there. You do it, but don't listen to them. For look at verse nine. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Now this is where it starts getting good. Now we're going to get it. We start breaking down some things. He says first in verse four. He says, "Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent." Guess what God did? God said, "I sent you into exile. This is me." Now he says in verse 9 to the prophets, the ones, the false ones, don't pay attention to the ones I have not sent. You see that? Look at it. Look at verse 9 again. For the prof they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declare the Lord. Which means that they're not under the authority of God. They're not operating under the authority of God. Don't listen to them when they're not operating under the authority of God. Now I've sent you into exile. You're going to do this. You're going to buy houses. You're going to build houses. You're going to marry people. You're going to you're going to do all. You're going to have children. You're going to you're going to trade and buy and sell and all this other stuff. I've sent you in and you can do that. But there's going to be people that are going to come and they're going to tell you something contrary to what I want you to do. Don't listen to them. I haven't sent them. For thus says the Lord, verse 10, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good work to you to bring you back to this place. Now, here we go. God's saying, I'm going to keep you here for 70 years. You're going to be here for a determined and a set amount of time. Okay. In that time, marry, build, but don't decrease. You're here for a reason. I sent you here for a couple of reasons. First off, you disobeyed me. But I also want to grow you while you're here. See, you, you know we're all in dress rehearsal for heaven, right? Our time here is nothing compared to our time that's going to be in heaven. We're all in dress rehearsal for heaven. 
We're all, because guess what? We're, there won't be a front pew and a back pew. Hmm? So, Bonnie, you're going to have to sit wherever God puts you. You can't just pick the front pew because you won't, you, you, you know, hey, Miss D, guess what? Yeah, I know you're way back there, aren't you? <laughs> Miss D, he might plop you right up here. There you go. <laughs> we say, yes, okay, it's in heaven. In the meantime, while I'm here, I'm going to stay back there. But get it. He, he, we're in dress rehearsal for heaven. We're in dress rehearsal. He says, and when in seven years I will fulfill my good work, he, he, God makes this promise. So in, in other words, you're going to be here for 70 years. I want you to go do this and do this and do this. And then after 70 years, I'm going to fulfill my good work. Sounds like God had a plan, doesn't it? John, put that next slide up. The one on the PowerPoint. Takes you a moment. I want you to look at the definition of plans. It's a written account of intended future course of action aimed at achieving specific goals or objectives within a specific time frame. It explains in detail what needs to be done, when, how, and by whom, and often includes best case, expected case, and worst case scenarios. That's what a plan is. That's a definition of a plan. I'm going to read it again. A written account of intended future course of action aimed at achieving specific goals or ob objectives within a specific time frame. It explains in detail what needs to be done when, when, how, and by whom, and often includes best case, expected case, and worst case scenarios. Now, let's go to Jeremiah 29 and 11. Remember that definition. For I know... The plans. Stop right there. For I know the plans. The very reason, first off, let's take those first three words. For I know. That means God is saying, listen, all of this I want you to go on. Look at verse, from verse 4 to verse 10. He tells you to do all of this other stuff because he has a plan. Now, I'm not here to tell you about God's wonderful plan for your life. Because first off, for I know the Plans, S, plural. All of us get set in our ways. That's not, God didn't call me to do that. Eh. He can give you more than one plan. You hear what I'm saying? He can give you more than one plan, so you need to get unstuck and get going for God, and he may have you do this, and then he may have you do that, and then he may, you, what was that old, uh, that old commercial, you can do it, you can, the little, the little, hamsters that had the Kia commercial, you can do with this, and you can get with that, and you, whatever they were saying. You can pick whatever you want to pick, but you're going to do multiple different things. You're going to do multiple different things. Remember I've talked about before, when I've been teaching this Sunday school class for 38 years, mm, you were supposed to stop at year 36. Because he had another plan. You see, if you go back to the definition of plan, I know I got you flipping. I want you to look at it again. Go back to the definition of plan. You might want to keep your trigger finger on that thing. For I know the plan. So he said, in other words, I got a written account of intended future course of action aimed at achieving a specific goal. I got plans for you, and the plans I know you don't. You just got to be ready to fulfill it. I've got an intended future course for you. He had an intended future course for Israel, did he not? 
an attendant future course and look or objectives with a specific time frame I want you to do it in a certain time and it explains in detail what needs to be done he's gonna give it to you as you need it but it's gonna be specific for I know go back to the scripture for I know the plans the word no means full assurance I am fully aware and I'm fully uh, cognizant of everything that I want you to do I know the plans more than one my plan when I worked in Tuscaloosa at the big automotive plant in Tuscaloosa guess what my plan was I walked in there the day I walked in there this is what I said I said I'm gonna work here until I die or Jesus comes back guess who ain't there no more Jesus ain't come back and I ain't dead. He had, hello. David, you can say that all day you want. And I said that for a year straight. I'm going to work here. Yeah, this is where I'm going to be until I die. Well, you know, at the time when I started back there in 1996, guess what? I hadn't been called yet. I didn't know nine years later he was going to call me in the ministry. I knew I was saved and all that stuff. <laughs> he said, you see, where, you see what's happening here? You see what's happening, David? You had a plan. <laughs> but I know the plan. And I have plans. 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 I want you to see, your, guess what? Y'all, we live our life in stereo. Not in mono. What does stereo mean? What does, does stereo mean? Do, do, thank you. We even see in stereo. Well, sorry, <laughs> Jimmy, sorry. <laughs> but we do. We see in stereo. Stereoscopic vision, if you want to call it or whatever. Something real technical and fluffy. Sounds real important. Like I know what I'm talking about. Okay? But you, see you got two. You know, hey, I don't see as well when I cover up one, do I? But when I cover up both of them, I can see if somebody's about to throw something at me over here. Right? So we live in, 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 and so when we live in stereo, that means that we have more, we can see more than we think. God sees more than he's, and so when he says plans, he sees more than what you see. For I know he's fully aware of what he has planned. And it's not a wonderful plan for your life, because it may send you into exile. <laughs> Remember, that definition says best case, worst case scenario. Look at this. Best case, expected case, and worst case scenarios. You will have those. How many of you have experienced a worst case scenario in your life? But it ain't ever been the end because that ain't been the whole plan. God will use Jimmy now. Jimmy could want, he could see it one time. Y'all heard the sermon two weeks. He could see it one time. And then he lost his vision. To most of us, that would be a worst case scenario. Brother Kent Wiggins, who preached here last Sunday night, at one time, he had two full legs. Now he only has one and a half, right? Okay, so, so get this. It can be a best case, worst case, but there's always going to be an expected case. So he knows the plan I have for you, declares the Lord. Now look at this. Plans, look at the verse, rest of verse 11. Plans for welfare. See, even though you may experience exile, the plans are for welfare. Welfare is what? It is not the world's version of welfare, but God's welfare is what? It is a good thing. 
That's why he tells us to pray for it and for Babylon back here. Look at look at verse seven. Seek the welfare. I want you to what is good. See, and then he's telling the children of Israel, seek me for what is good for Babylon. And seek me for what is good for you, because my plans include welfare, not harm. Remember chapter 25, verse what? Seven. You did your own harm. God's plan was never to harm you. You get it? God's plan was never to harm you. You harmed yourself by disobeying him. So now that you are in the harm that you inflicted on yourself while you're here, you need to live as such and you need to pray for the welfare of others as such while you're in this situation. His plans, he's, a, he's sure of his plans. He knows, he knows what's expected. He has the best case and worst case. The worst case scenario was they disobey me and guess what I have to do? Send them into exile. The best case scenario is they listen to me and I keep on trucking. Right? Now, there's a result. A plan for welfare and not for calamity. 9-11, a lot of people thought it was the end of the world, didn't they? I worked at a music store back in 1990, 91. I was a manager. It was right at Desert Storm, Desert Shield and Desert, Desert Storm time. And I was saved, knew enough about scripture to know, hey, this is supposed to happen. The young lady that worked with me wasn't. And when the, when the missiles started, the Patriots started flying and everything, the war started. She said, oh, no, it's the end of the world. And all I could think about was this scripture back then. I even thought about this scripture. I said, well, wait a minute. God has a, a not for calamity. It's not going to be calamity for me. It's going to be calamity for her. But his intent was to draw her to him. And things like that will do that. Okay. But I remember her saying it's the end of the world. It's the end of the world because this started. See, when we don't understand how a plan works and what God knows about it, then we struggle with how things come about. School shootings. Murder. Rape. Robbery. Embezzlement. All of these things. See, when we think that our world and our lives hinge on those things, we forget about the plans of God for us, which is welfare and not calamity. Welfare and not calamity. Welfare and not calamity. And keep in mind, God is a God that keeps all of his promises and keeps his word in line, then it's not a calamity. Now, I said all that to prepare you for what happened on July 20th. July 20th, 2018, me, my lovely wife, Jack Washington, my lovely friend, his lovely wife, Connie Washington, our lovely deacon who let us borrow his vehicle and trailer, and all of you lovely people had donated clothing and even a whole child's bedroom suit to go back to Blackie, Kentucky. Now, you remember we've been in June, okay? 
We've been in June. Put the definition of plan back up there, please. We've been in June. We went there in June, right? And I, you, and I came back changed and different and, and on fire. I'm still on fire. And we went up there. We were headed up there. We left that morning. I had a plan. We were going to meet. And we were going to go pick up Jack and Connie. And the plan was for us to eat at Jack's and then head on out. Well, Jack called and said he forgot we were going to eat out. And so he ate at home and we stopped and ate at Jack's. So plan number one changed. Not God changed, but our plan changed. We pick up Jack and Connie, we get everything loaded, we're headed up the road. We get up to Fort, the Fort Payne area, about mile marker 210. We're driving and talking, and, you know, we had prayed before we left the Jack's yard, and we're driving and talking and sailing along, and everything's going good, and I'm watching the gas hand do this, and, you know, it's just a thing. So we're driving, and all of a sudden, I see some mist come out. I look, and it's not raining. And then the, the vehicle goes, it starts squealing, and then it kind of jerks a little bit. I'm like, hmm, something's going on. And so we keep driving, and then I see some more mist shoot out. I'm like, hmm, it's not raining. And, but it didn't hesitate or anything. And then Jack said, what's going on? I said, I don't know. I see some water coming out, you know, and I'm thinking, hmm. And then he looks out the window, and there's steam pouring out of the back. Just I mean, it looked like NASCAR, you know, when they let go and they, you know, they let go and turn forward, and it just let go. And I'm like, oh, man. And then all of a sudden it starts bubbling out. I'm like, oh, man, there, something just blew, radiator or something. So we, we go about a half a mile and we get pulled over. We pop the hood and just cooling everywhere, you know. And, and I'm like, man, is it a hose? And we can't see. And Don had left a little bit of radiator fluid in there. And... We went and got the radiator fluid and poured it in. He said, we got to get up to the next exit. And uh, by this time, we were at exit 212. Now, Fort Payne's exit 218. So we're at exit 212. And we, we can't see the leak because all the covers, the, the shroud and everything's over it. And so we get on, and we're nursing the vehicle up. And it's still pouring steam out, but we're nursing it. Temperature gauge, I'm watching that gauge. And I'll stop watching the fuel hand, watching the gauge now. And, uh, you know, I don't care how much fuel we got. We got to watch that gauge. And... I said, Bunny, I said, call Sheila. Now, I'm using her name because she's a friend of mine, and she normally doesn't work on Fridays. But I call her because she works in Fort Payne. So I'm watching God. And all of a sudden, you start watching God. But she does, I call her, and Bunny calls and tell her what's going on. And uh, we're sitting here thinking, okay, we just got to get to Fort Payne. And she, y'all got to hear this. Y'all got to hear this. And so we get to Fort Payne. We get to the exit. And, 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 and my friend, our friend, she's at work. And she don't work on Friday. Now, see, now this is God's plan. I want to tell you God's plan for welfare, not calamity. Listen carefully. We get off at the exit of Fort, Fort Payne. We make it to exit 218. And we pull over. And we pull over in a Western Sizzling parking lot. We pull over there. And by that time, as we get off the interstate and we're pulling up, the temperature gauge hits the H. The engine's, the light comes on and it says reduced engine power. Right as we pull into the parking lot. Perfect timing. Our God has a plan for welfare and not calamity. We pull off. 
go get some water at the Western Sizzling, pour it in there. He says, start it up. Let's see where it's coming. And, and boom, it comes out of the top of the radiator. The top of the radiator split. Welfare, not calamity. Listen to this. My, my well-educated friend Jack says, well, let's just change the radiator. <laughs> By that time, I grew a nice set of buck teeth and said, oh, yeah, okay, let's do it. <laughs> we don't have a radiator. We don't have radiator coolant. We don't have tools. Nothing. And the plan says, let's change the radiator. And I agree. Jack gets on the phone, local auto parts stores, and by that time, my friend who doesn't work on Fridays shows up. Now, this is God. This is God. Plans for, see, we're seeing a calamity. By that time, the clouds started going over the area where we were, and it cools down. No rain. A shroud of clouds go above us. We're like, wow. Call local parts store. They have a radiator. They have a radiator. But we give them the wrong year. Jack gives them a 2002 expedition. I said, Jack, this is a 2003. He said, it'll fit. No, it won't. Talk to the guy at the parts store. He says, no, it won't fit. I said, no, it won't fit. It's a 2002. They redesigned the whole thing. But while our friend is taking me and Jack, my friend's taking me and Jack to the, to the parts store. Here's this. Listen to this. We pull up, and, you know, we're like, okay, we got to buy a radiator. We got to buy a radiator. We're going to buy a radiator. And, you know, hey, we buy a radiator. You know, none of us are rolling in. You know, we, you know, we think we're going to buy a radiator, though. We get there. She said, yeah, you're going to get a radiator. And I'm not here to give her any glory. She wouldn't have it anyway. She said, but I'm paying for it. So, you know, me, I go into my fight mode. No, you ain't. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute. She said, you know how this works. If I'm going to be a blessing, then you got to receive it. So the radiator and the tools and the coolant and the rags and the gloves and everything we needed to change the radio radiator didn't come out of our pocket. I called Don. I said, Don, you know, I'm trying to check. He says, well, tell me, tell me how much I owe you. I said, no, it's been taken care of. But I understand what he's saying. So then here's what happens. Here's the neat thing. We get back and we start tearing the radiator apart. I'm up top. Never changed a radiator before in my life. Jack's below. He knows a little bit. He's down there pulling. Out. I knew enough sense not to get down there. I had to stay up there. And we're tearing the radiator apart. Okay? And, yeah, she said, she, and, and so, and then we were telling, and the transmission lines on that 2003 expedition go into a great, they'll go into the radiator with a cooling package. Jack says, oh, David, we didn't get the tools to pull, the, and I'm like, and I stopped. Bonnie and Connie were standing there. Listen to this. This is part of the sermon, so get this. Because this is mission work. This is the plan God has. He, and, and, and Bonnie, I look at Bonnie and Connie. I say, pray. I say, we, you need to pray now. Those jokers started praying. And when they started praying, 
It wasn't 20 seconds. A guy pulls up. You need any help? Yeah, we do. <laughs> he said, we need, we need a tool to get the transmission lines out of the radiator. He says, oh, I got one in my truck. <laughs> now get this. Hold on. This, that ain't even a miracle. We pull over, and he pulls on up, and he says, man, I took the tool out. So Jack says, well, can you take us down so we can get the tool? He says, sure, I'll take you down. So him and Connie get in there and go down because we don't know him. We're not realizing that he's answering a prayer right now. Because you see, what I did wrong, my plan, my plan kicked in again. My plan kicked in again. Guess what my plan did? My plan called the local Ford dealership to see if they could have a tool. Wait a minute, I just told them to pray. They prayed and a man shows up, but I decided to step out and call the Ford dealership. Ford dealership puts me on hold and never comes back to the phone. <laughs> God stopped that. So then, Jack gets down there, and then the guy that took him down there wouldn't let him pay for the tool. Jack's like, and so he looks at the guy, and he says, God, what's your name? The guy looks at him, and this is exactly what he does. He smiles, he says, Angel. <laughs> Jack starts crying. And the guy's name is really Angel. Jack starts crying. He comes back. In the meantime, we get the right tool. Change the radiator out, plug it up, pour the fluid in there. Meantime, the Western Sizzler, the manager comes out and says, y'all got kids in the car. No, we don't. Okay, if they did, you can bring them in here, get you something to drink, whatever you need to do. Y'all need anything to drink. There's a guy at a title match shop across his way. He, he said, we didn't have a tool. We had to go borrow a screwdriver and a plier from him before our friend got there to go get the other tools. We started tearing the ra He has tools that we can use. God is providing, not calamity. Everyone else might see this as calamity. As we're continuing to go through, we're going, mm, what's going on here? This is God. It's not calamity. It's for our welfare. By the time we got the radiator changed out, we're starting to clean up and get ready to go. I look around. Bonnie says, well, where did we throw all this stuff, stuff away? Because we got a radiator, a used radiator laying there and all this other stuff. You know, we're thinking we got to put it in the vehicle. Take it on to Kentucky with us. Turn around. There's a dumpster. God provided the dumpster. It was in his plan. Now, this ain't no naming and claiming stuff, y'all. I'm just telling you what happened. Because then I said, well, go ask the gentleman if we can put the radiator in the dumpster. Sure, put the radiator in the dumpster. We put the radiator in the dumpster. We get in the vehicle. Here's the kicker. Angel, let me tell you what God's plan is. Angel, Angel got off work early. He was supposed to work all day. But when he got to work that morning, his boss told him, he said, you get your work done, you can leave. See, before we even cracked our eyes open that morning, God had already lined up who, what Angel was going to have to do that day. And Angel was supposed to still be at work. My friend was not supposed to be there, supposed to be at Gaston where she lives, but everything was in place. So we get in the car, and let me tell you something. You're talking about some praising people all the way up. And I said, Jack, I looked at him in the mirror. I said, Jack, do you know? I said, for a moment, I thought, we might as well turn around and go back. God has sent us.
because he had had you guys all donate clothing. God has sent us. And we're driving up. He said, David, I thought that for a moment, too. Bonnie said, I thought that for a moment. But it wasn't God's plan for us to ever turn around. It was God's plan to be gone. Because let me tell you something. There was, there was a vehicle full of people that were praising his holy name because of what he had done. A radiator got changed out and not a dime come out of your pocket. It was all God's. It was all God's. And that was his plan. And so we get there and, and Connie is texting and people are texting and telling him what happened. What all God's, what great things God did. We get there to the camp in Texas. The campus in, I'm Texas, in Kentucky. Whew, that would have been three radiators. But we get there. And we start telling the director over the camp. Brother Paul, what was going on? First off, when we backed the trailer up, he opened the door up. He went, whoa. He said, a bedroom, a baby's bedroom suit. Yeah. He said, we need that. He said, we just got through changing the floor out in a mobile home for a family and changing their porch out. And the, the husband is out of work. They have a little child and she's pregnant and she needs this whole bedroom suit. There was a chest of drawers. There was a dresser. There was a baby's bed. There was a bassinet. There was a car seat. There was a stroller all in that trailer. That's what we need. I know exactly where it's going. It wasn't for us to turn around. And we started telling him the story. He was like, wow. And then he saw all the clothes, everything. Y'all understand that that trailer was full from the nose to the end when we got done? Originally, we were going to take everything in the expedition, in our explorer. But the trailer was full. And do you know what happened? He said, I've already got a place for all of those clothes. That's when I sent that email out and I told you pray because Thursday those clothes were going to someone. It was already laid out. See, that was God's plan. And when I told him that, he's like, wow. Amazing. A written account of intended future course of action aimed at achieving specific goals or objectives within a specific time frame. It explains in detail what needs to be done. He helped us change that radiator out. Just like Noah never built an ark, David had never changed the radiator out. But guess what? That one got changed out. It still works too, don't it, Don? Don, does it still work? Is the car still cool? Everything, good. You get the three-day warranty. After that, it's, anyway. <laughs> it explains in detail what needs to be done. When? Huh. How? Huh. And by whom? Huh, huh. And often includes best case, we had to eat at Jack's. Expect the case, we're going to Kentucky. And worst case, the radiator blew up. But it was all there. And there was never a need to quit, stop, or turn around. It was always go, go, go. You're not going back to Pell City. You're not turning around. I've got a baby. Look, I woke a man up early this morning and told him to let Angel off early so he could stop and help you because I knew that radiator was going to pop at what time it did. Two hours later. We were on, only stopped for two hours. That was it. That's all it took. And now, and we, this is the, this is the and, and the moral of the story is, and, and this is what we learned. In your Christian life, you will have bumps, hiccups, stalls, and things that get in your way. But you don't stop. 
for God, for I know the plans I have for you. Each one of those boxes with clothing in it, the bedroom suit, everything, it was planned for someone. Y'all, we can't make this stuff up. It happened. It happened. And then we spent the next day and a half in Kentucky, and they got to see some of the area. And Jack got to see it, and Jack, Jack's wheels started turning, and all of this stuff started happening. And his plan is for us not to stop. He might have done it with me because I'm the pastor. I'm just dabbing, I know. I can't stop because there's a plan there, so you can't stop. Verse 13 reads, verse 12 reads, then you will call upon me and come pray to me and I will listen to you. And that is what happened to us. We called. He listened. And for our welfare. But if I had gone back, if I had turned around, I would have been as guilty as Israel by not being God. And who knows what would have let go if we had started head the other way. You might have been putting a new engine in. God's plan, God's plan was for us to go forward and keep going and keep going and keep going. And that's what's going to happen. God's plan for this church is to go forward, keep going, keep going, keep going. I know that's an elementary sermon, and I say that a lot about what I'm, when I'm preaching, but you got to get what happened. I've been sitting on this for two weeks. When I saw y'all, when we got back on the 22nd, I wanted to tell you that night. Y'all don't know what happened. And it was God. And once we got over ourselves and recognized the power of God, it happened. John, come on. We'll stop there.